We are so happy that you are able to join us for today's message. Our hope is that it will encourage you in your walk with God and inspire you to reach those who don't yet have a relationship with Jesus. For more about Global Heart Church, download our app today or visit us at globalheartchurch.com. Enjoy the message. So I've entitled this message because I believe it's really important. It's called, You Are Created to Be Kingdom Effective. You are created to be kingdom effective. You're created to be effective, no doubt about it. And if you want to take some notes, you might want to get some of this because this is one of my key life messages, this message. But you're created to be kingdom effective. And if you're kingdom effective, it's amazing how you'll be community effective in the way God intended. So, so I believe you're created to be kingdom effective, but what does that look like? I'm not, I wasn't from a Christian background when I became a Christian. So for all you guys who look and think pastors are all Christians, Christian backgrounds, I wasn't a Christian. Neither was Sue. Sue was uh, looking at, at one stage, you know, into reading spiritual, spiritual books. We, both, we were not Christians. And uh, then I became a Christian. That's another story. Uh, but when I came into God's church, here's some questions I was thinking. And I, maybe some of you have thought them, or maybe you never have. I was thinking, how do you approach church as a new Christian? What do you do? How are you to be? How do I know if I have the right approach? What do, how do I relate to people? How do I relate to what's happening in God's church? Um, I began to see people helping at church and doing things. And, and I was like, is that what I get to do? Is that what certain people do? How, how do how, what's that about? Um, how do I approach the leadership team? How do I approach the pastoral team? Who are these people? Are they all born pastors? Are they just holy by birth? What, what are they? Who are they? Where do they come from? Do they drop out of the sky? I don't know. So how do I approach them? And uh, what I've discovered is a lot of stuff. And the Bible says my people will perish for lack of knowledge. So I'm going to try and give you some knowledge gleaned over 39 years that will cause you to become the kingdom effective person God has called you to be. The kingdom effective person God's called you to be. And then you'll flow your effectiveness, I believe, out into the community in whatever uh, sphere of life God calls you to, which is so many different places people work and are involved in. So, yeah, so I believe around the world, here's what I believe. Around the world, I think there are multitudes of Christians who have no clue about how God's church works, how to approach the church, how to be in the church, have no clue. They've, and multitudes have never even considered it. They've just followed maybe a routine of I go to a service and I listen to the message. And, and we're meant to do that, but that's kind of 101 on this detailed plan that God has for his house. When you see the New Testament, everybody, the New Testament is actually, uh, it's so much structure and teaching on how the church is to happen, how leadership is to happen, the attitudes that we're meant to have, what we're meant to be doing in the church and then into the community. Everything starts in the church. I just remember, I'm always saying it starts here, flows out. Starts here, flows out. Starts here, flows out. I remember uh, the mayor of uh, Junlup right now, who's in our church, who said to me, I would never have got into do these leadership roles if I had not started serving in the car park at Global Heart Church. He said that trained me to go and do uh, what was, he was the state MP at that time. And everything starts here. So God wants you to be kingdom effective, but he needs you to understand how to approach church. So there's a great passage where God's really spoke to me out of in 1 Chronicles 12. Let me just read it to you. And really influenced me and changed my life radically as a 26-year-old. I'd been saved for about eight years, and God was about to do a radical change in my heart and thinking to help me become kingdom effective. 
Let me just put this preface at the beginning. If I didn't change and do and glean and then apply what I learned, what I'm going to teach you now, this church would be gone. This church disappears because our church here came about because of the application of what I'm about to teach you. So 1 Chronicles chapter 12, it says, From the Gadites that came over to David in the stronghold in the wilderness, mighty men of valor, men trained for war, like some of you, spiritual warfare, who could handle shield and spear, and whose faces were like the faces of lions, and they were as swift as the gazelles on the mountains. These guys could move. Down to verse 14, these are the sons of Gad, were captains of the army. He who was least was equal to a hundred, and the greatest to a thousand. These are the ones who crossed the Jordan in the first month when it was overflowing all its banks, and they put to flight all those in the valleys, both to the east and to the west. Then some of the sons of Benjamin and Judah came to the stronghold to David. So what's happening here is David is in this stronghold. He's, uh, he's kind of hiding out and planning and prepping uh, his strategy because the Philistines are attacking, who are enemy, enemies of God's people. And uh, he'd gone to the stronghold before uh, when, Saul was, uh, when Saul was after him. Uh, he's in the stronghold. So this place was a place of protection. But what's happening is God is gathering uh, men and women, leaders around him, people of influence to help him in this battle. Listen, everybody, we don't have a natural battle as Christians. The Bible says that battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people, but it's against principalities and powers and in the heavenly realm. And uh, so we need to realize we have a spiritual enemy. If you don't ever have any spiritual attack, well, that may mean that you're not quite doing what you're meant to do yet because I get attacked all the time. Different levels, different devils. Different levels, different devils. You need to know that the pastoral team is often standing in the place of the attack to protect you because the devil knows if he can get me, he can, he can scatter the sheep. So you attack the pastoral team. Can I encourage you, don't talk about the pastoral team. Pray for the pastoral team. Pray for the pastoral team. Because they're standing in the place God has placed them. And also, by the way, too, depending on your calling, your length of service in the kingdom, your positioning, if, you're, if you have a ministry gifting to be in God's house, I wanted to go to business. I was thinking of business, and then God brought me into his house. And I realized God had given me a ministry gift to lead in the church. Well, I'm going to let you know right now that your perspective and my perspective is going to be different depending on the gifting. People aren't better or worse than other people. There's people here with incredible gifts I don't have. Um, you know, you're gonna, many people have incredible gifts I don't have. But I have gifts that you don't have. And when it comes to church and kingdom, my perspective, uh, a lot of times you'll get people when they give you a spiritual perspective. And I'm like, look, due to your age, what you've been carrying, your spiritual gift, your view is 90 degrees. But when you're put into senior leadership or, and you work your way through pastoral leadership and you've been placed there, you didn't vote for it, you didn't ask for it, didn't, <laughs> I didn't ask for any of it, God put me there, you end up with a 270-degree view. So the decisions you're making in the kingdom and in the church are not based on nat natural things. They're based on your calling, your gifting, your preparation, uh, your training, and, uh, and then your length of service in that role. So, um, so they're coming to David now, and David in the scripture represented, represents anointed leadership, anointed authority. David represents the leader in front of you. Some of you are serving in church. You may have a leader in the cafe, a leader in the car park, a leader in ushers, a leader in the kids, a leader in youth and young adults. David is representing spiritual authority. If you're saying, what are you saying to me out of this passage? He's saying, I want you to get that I have anointed spiritual authority, and that's what happens in my house. There's people I put my anointing on. They're not voted in. God doesn't even ask my opinion. Isn't that weird? 
Sometimes we think, Lord, I wouldn't have that person do that. God said, that's fine. I did, if I needed your opinion, I would have asked you for it. <laughs> he said, but I've made the choice there. I've made the choice there. And what we've all got to do, and I've got to do, is say, Lord, who is your hand on? What, who's got the calling? Who's that? We're always asking the questions, but ultimately it's God's placement. So in God's house, we've got to say, who's in front of me in the game of serving the Lord, the kingdom game? And I need to serve and come alongside that leader. So God was bringing warriors and gifted people along. And some of them could oversee 100, influence 100, lead 100. Some of them could influence 1,000, lead 100. They, they were warriors. They could also were prayers. They were spiritual warfare. And they're coming alongside David. And this passage is a revelation which so many Christians, I think, including myself up until that time, uh, I missed was this. David went out. He's like God's anointed authority in the house of God. And he goes out to meet them and says, if you come peacefully to me to help me, my heart shall be united with you. But if to betray me to my adversaries, since there's no wrong in my hands, may the God of our fathers look on it and decide. David doesn't say to all those being saved in the church and added in the church, which is really the picture of what's happening here. Hey, I heard you're amazing. Hey, I heard you're a leader of a hundred. Hey, I heard you're a leader of thousands. Hey, I heard you're incredible. They're gathering like they gather in churches around the world, like they're gathering in Global Heart Church. And David and God is saying to us, look, I know your gifts. I know what you got because I gave it to you. David said to them, if you've come peacefully to help me, this is the bottom line, everybody, of being in the kingdom. If you are going to become kingdom effective, is David is David's not raving about them personally. He's saying, if you've come in peace to help, you will, you will be effective and together we'll defeat the enemy. But he alludes to the fact, listen to this, he alludes to the fact that if we're not there to help, he goes on and says, but if to betray me to my adversaries. He alludes to the fact that if we are not in the kingdom with the spirit, I'm here to help. He said, then there will be betrayal in your life. Every Christian will have betrayal in your life if the basis of your coming into the kingdom is not, I'm here to help. Some of you just got into Bible college. This is Bible college year two, but I'm giving it to you pre-Bible college in the hope that you'll sign up. Anyway, so... He's, he's alluding the fact that betrayal is going to be bound up in your heart and life, and at the wrong moment, you'll betray because you're not getting your way. In churches around the world, right at the moment of growth in a kids' department, a youth department, a serving department, the church, somebody will bring out the betrayal card. And everybody's like, what? What's happening now? And then they throw dispersions on people in different areas of church, blah, 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 blah. And they never realize that has fested in your heart because you never dealt with that you're meant to be only in the kingdom for one thing. I'm here to help. If you come peacefully to help me, our hearts be united. Why did he say united? Because in the kingdom, the Bible tells us, Psalm 133, where there is unity, God commands the blessing. God doesn't just say, where there's unity, you know, it works out because you're kind of getting on and you're having a nice time. It goes good. You know, that little sweet by and by thing. No, God says, where there's unity, I will command the blessing. That's why the devil attacks the father in a family. Tack him, because I'll break up the unity and the blessing in the family. Tack the father every time. Then he goes for the wife, because he's after getting the kids wrecked, and then they're insecure for the rest of their lives running around to counselors. 
So the devil's always into disunity where God's in unity. The devil's always into disunity, God's in unity. So God says, how I'm going to build my church is people who come along and say, hey, bottom line of why I'm here is to help. And the Bible says if we don't get to that place, we can be sitting in church week after week with betrayal in our heart running through our life week after week. And some of us will take it from church to church. May that ministry gift come to a halt. May this be a changing day for all of us. And the Bible says then, verse 18, then the Spirit came on Amasai, one of the warriors, and he, the Holy Spirit, actually came on him and spoke to him, spoke through him, and he said, we are yours, David. We're with you. Peace and peace to you and peace to him who helps you. Indeed, your God helps you. He's having a revelation, and now he's declaring, peace, peace to you and peace to him who helps you. Indeed, your God helps you. Now, I'm going to go on and talk to you about peace as we get a bit more into the message. But it's not just the peace that we think of in English. I'm going to bring out what peace actually means in the Hebrew. And it is so powerful when he declared peace to you, David, and peace to every believer who's helping in God's house. We'll see that in a little while. So, so right here, the Bible is teaching us to help. Well, Jesus, everybody, is our example. Mark 10, 45 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. What? The Bible tells us that Jesus, the Son of Man, did not come to be served, but to serve. What God does this? And to give his life, what? As a ransom for many. Can you imagine if you're made God tomorrow? You're like, people, be on time, and where's my coffee? And I'll take a chocolate with that, and hurry up. <laughs> so, so it makes you God. We become little gods. We'd be, they'd be running around flat out for you. Put on my favorite music. Spotify, thanks. <laughs> Get me this off there. Like, we'd be, and then the Bible says, no, Jesus comes to serve. He's our example. So when, the, when we just read help, you've come to help in the kingdom. The word help in Hebrew is azar, A-Z-A-R. So when David says, if you've come to help me, which is spiritual authority saying to you, if you've come to help, our hearts be united, be added into what God's doing. It actually means this. It means to protect. I'm going to protect God's house. I'm going to protect his people. It means to aid. It means to support. It means to give material and non-material encouragement and assistance. To give material and non-material encouragement and assistance. Webster's Dictionary says to relieve. You're in God's house to relieve challenges, stresses, financial difficulties. You're there. I'm there as a reliever. I'm there to change for the better. And look at this. Also, help means to lend strength towards affecting a purpose together accomplishing goals. So when you've come to help, you're saying, I'm lending my strength to this. Some business people, God's called you to raise finances. Some of us haven't quite got it that God uh, puts the spiritual leaders alongside business leaders and uh, we're meant to bring the vision for the house. And uh, business people, you're anointed to bring provision for the house. And when you help in that area alongside the ministry team, together we get the job done effectively. There's that word, effectively. And so... I want to encourage you, everybody's meant to help. But here's what happens in so many churches around the world. 
Many times we get other Christians to do our giving or let them do our giving. We let other Christians do our serving. We let other Christians do our praying. We let other Christians do our fellowshipping straight after the service. I'm out the door. You guys fellowship. You need it. I'm good. Me and God are good. That's called pride. Um, Now, I'm not talking about people who leave church early because they're babysick. They've got to go to a wedding. I'm talking about you don't get the fact that you're here to help. I don't always want to talk to everybody. I know you can't believe that, right? You're like, pass, Jared, please. Come on. But I've always hung around in church for 39 years, not for me, for you. (laughs) 39 years, come early, left late. Not because I always want to talk to everybody and always feel like it. Sometimes I have felt insecure. Sometimes I've felt I don't know people. But I'm not here for me. I'm here to help you and help Jesus' house go forward. Have you considered that? I was in London once, and there was a girl. She was in our church in London when we planted the church in England. She was crying all the time. And, oh, my gosh, I didn't know what to do with it. She was always crying and just was like, oh, my gosh, just this young girl. She'd moved from the north of England to London. And I was thinking, how can we get you involved somewhere? And I'll never forget, I just thinking, if I get her involved, she'll feel part of the team. She'll feel love. I know the team will love on her and look after and encourage her. And I said, have you ever thought of helping anybody else? And she said, no. And I went, oh, sorry, I'll just repeat the question. Have you ever thought about, like, maybe, because you've been a Christian for a while in the north of England, have you ever thought about helping, maybe, you know, hanging around and encouraging someone else? She said, no. And I was like, oh, my gosh, she's not joking. Wow. And then I realized all of your issues of heart, character, and attitude and problems are because you've never stopped to consider helping anyone else. Some of us right there just got a life opportunity to move out of those things that are weighing your heart, spirit, and mind down by going, today I'm making a change from making it about me to making it about you. The Bible tells us, everybody, that David then received them and made them captains of the band. Well, he received them. I was always going to church thinking, well, you guys are lucky I'm here. In my 20s, I've arrived. Ring the bell. (laughs) To the streamers, I've arrived. And then I'm reading this going, hang on a minute. David, the anointed ones, received them. I was always receiving the church. Do I like this church? Do I like the praise and worship? Do I like the pastor? I'm receiving everybody and judging and working out. I'll now receive you. (laughs) Now, you're all looking at me like you're all so holy and already there. I know you're not. But then I had the revelation, oh, my gosh, the anointed authority received them. One day I said to Brian Houston when I was at Hills Christian Life Center, hey, thanks for receiving me. And he goes, what? I said, don't worry. It means something to me. <laughs> he, yeah, I just had the verse. Listen, everybody, authorities come from God. Government authorities, church authority comes from God. Ephesians 4 tells us in verse 11 that God gave five ministry gifts, pastors, prophets, teachers, apostles, evangelists. Got it. Five. They're governmental ones placed there by God. Not by, hey, they got close to 
that pastor, so then they work to deal to get on the ministry team. What? God puts people in position. Look what God says in Romans 13. Everyone, every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there's no authority except from God. Those who exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and those and those and they who have opposed it will receive condemnation upon themselves. The Bible's very strong on authority. We know there's wrong authorities in countries and places, and we're like, ugh. But the Bible's telling us that as much as we can, do not resist authority. In fact, God established authority. The fact that people do the wrong thing by it, they'll answer to God. But what we have to do is say, Lord, help me to get a right heart with authority. Years ago, uh, I think just keep back a little bit. Years ago, one of the biggest things in my life was I was an intern pastor at Hills Christian Life Center, became Hillsong Church. I was 26. And I was in my office having a nice day when Brian Houston walked in, who I work for, and started telling me off very strongly, very firmly about something that he thought I was doing in the new Christian department, and he totally had the wrong end of the stick. And he just gave it to me and then walked out the door. And I began to sing the song that all Christians sing. You, you know this chorus well. You sing it with me. It goes like this. After all I've... I'm like, I can't believe you just said that to me. I can't believe you spoke to me like that. After all I've... After all I've... That was verse 1, verse 2, verse 3. Go to the chorus. After all I've done. After all I've done. After all I've done. And after about half an hour sitting in my office, I'm sitting there and I was so mad... And I had terrible authority issues because my dad used to, he was an alcoholic, but he, he was so damaged by alcohol. He was, he was lying. He was manipulative. If he said he was turning up at three, he'd turn up at nine. I just had such bad authority that I had resistance to any kind of authority at all. And that day I said to the Lord, I looked up, I said, Lord, did you just do that to me? And he goes, mm-hmm. I went, what? Lord, did you just allow that? He goes, yep, I did. And I said, Lord, What? God, did you just allow that to happen to me? And he goes, mm-hmm. And then God said to me, so what are you going to do about it now? And God said to me, Jared, I cannot take you any further. I'm an intern pastor. He said, I cannot take you any further until you learn to serve when the leader in front of you is not who you choose, when they're not the way you want them to be, when they're not uh, controllable by you, me. He said, I can take you no further until you give me that. And he says, I know what happened with your dad, but you need to give me that authority issue so I can walk you forward. And then God said to me, this far and no further, but I'll always love you. Well, so I had to go. So I was in the church thinking, Brian and Bobby, I've had good prophecies. Kinder Greening gave me one. In the corridors of time, I see you and Sue. It was very dramatic. And uh, I'm thinking Brian and Bobby are there to help me get me into ministry and get me raised up. And then I read this and I realize, hang on a minute, Brian and Bobby are the David. Huh? I'm there to help them. I thought they were there to help me. And God said, no, I put you there to help them. Bring, bring about what Brian sees and what he wants to do. I'm like, huh? Okay, they're paying me money to be full of myself as an intern pastor. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> People in that church were giving their tithes and offerings to help employ me, who is full of me, my dreams, my gifts, my attitudes, my prophecies, my calling, my destiny. Brian helped me get to it. 
And God now tells me, you are totally living the wrong life. You're here to help them. What the heck? I'm not helping him. He just told me off. And then God said to me, I need you to give that to me. So I had to go on a journey, everybody. And it's called a, a journey from one part of my heart, which was all about me, to the other part, other end of my heart. On a th- I said three years last service. It was a bit of a fib, actually. More like eight years. Eight years of moving from church and Brian and everybody helping me to me being in the kingdom to go, okay, Lord, I'm just here to help Brian and Bobby and just here to help the church. That was eight years. <laughs> Do you know the difference between that hard attitude and this hard attitude? Do you know the distance of that? Does anybody here know the word chasm? Ever heard of that? Anybody heard the word abyss? The difference in heart attitude was the length of an abyss. It was not even close. I wasn't close. I was there. They're going to raise me up. I got a calling. God needs to give me. They need to recognize me. And then God says, I just need you to be here to help. Otherwise, you're going to betray them down the track. Otherwise, you're going to do this down the track in churches. I need you to get to this point. So I went on the chasm journey of eight years. <laughs> they were paying me to be this. I was getting paid an intern wage to be full of myself, ministering to people. Yes, let me pray for you. <laughs> Gosh, I need to go and say sorry to all those people, don't I? Everybody, you need to go on the journey. You need to go on the journey. I had to get my authority issues. They were mega. This is the hardest test I've ever been through. When you've been abused in your childhood, terrified of your father, uh, then seeing the Catholic priests didn't re- rescue us when we told them what my dad was doing. The police never took my father out of the house properly. I just thought, you guys are a bunch of jerks. This guy's just k- killing us. And you all believe him and don't believe us, you know. So my attitudes were terrible. And God starts going, boom, this is the one I'm going to get you to nail now at 26 because it's going to be a good eight years before we get any kind of breakthrough here. King James says this, whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Everybody online, do it to the Lord, not to men, knowing that from the Lord you'll receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. In Scripture, people are serving the Lord in front and the people as unto the Lord. I always meet Christians all the time. I'll, I go, what are you doing? Just serving the Lord. I'm, can I just tell you now, I got that at 26. Read your Bible, everybody. Read your Bible. Everybody in Scripture is serving somebody who impacted anything. But Christians say, I'm just serving the Lord. Well, the Bible says, no, <laughs> serving and doing it hardly as to the Lord, not to men. I'm not, I wasn't doing it for His sake personally. God chose him and God was saying, I need you to help and serve this person. I'm doing that as to the Lord. But in Scripture, everybody's serving someone. Joshua is serving Moses. Elisha is serving Elijah. He's standing with a bowl and water and a towel and washing his hands every day, three times a day, serving him, cleaning him. And then when Jehoshaphat comes along and says, hey, who's got the word of the Lord here? He says, I don't know, but there's this guy who stands here washing Elijah's hands all day, looking after him. And then they said, anybody who can do that, they have the word of the Lord. If you want to know the prophet according to Second Kings, it's the one who can serve faithfully day in, day out, day out, and is not moved, not moved when it goes wrong. 
Joseph's in prison, serving Potiphar's, serving other, the, other people's dreams. Ruth is serving her better mother-in-law, Naomi, who's absolutely filled with it, serving her. The disciples are serving Jesus. Timothy is serving Paul. Look at Paul in Philippians 2. Paul says, this scripture is one that just, oh me. Do you have scriptures that just get you? This is one of them. Okay, you ready? It's going to get you. It says, Paul says of the New Testament church, listen to this, I have no one like-minded who sincerely care for your state. But basically he's talking about this one. He says, for all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus, but you know, talking about Timothy, his proven character. Paul's saying of the New Testament church, and I think around the world, everybody, I wonder what he'd say today. He says, I got no one who's like-minded, who's sincerely caring for people. He says, I got no one to the New Testament church. Wonder what he'd say today. I go around the world, I got no one sincerely caring for anybody. Got a lot of people in it for themselves, how it's working for them, keeping up their social reputation, religious reputation. Grandparents went to church, I'm there. He said, but I got no one genuine. But you know this guy, Timothy, his proven character, that is a son with his father who served with me in the gospel. The outline God gives us, and Paul nails it, is that Timothy is teaching us it's the spirit of somebody who says, I'm going to be a son serving my spiritual parent. Who's your youth leader, young adults leader, ushers leader, pastor? I'm serving them as a son serves the father. You know what? I was so full of myself. <laughs> oh, it's terrible, right? I'm laughing because it's so bad. <sighs> they should have sacked me, really. Anyway, I said, I, when I started reading this and getting this, I said to Brian, Brian asked me to do something. I said, Brian, can you tell me that again? And he'd go, yeah. And he'd tell me the, what he wanted me to do again. I'd go, um, okay, can you do one more? Brian would go, what? Tell you three times. I said, yeah. So tell me three times, because I always put my filter on everything. I go, Jared knows better filter. So you'll tell me, and then I'll go, I know better, and I'll filter it. I go, I need you to tell me three times so I lose my Jared filter and become a son and do what dad wants. I didn't say that to him. How do you want me to do it again? And he go, like this, like that. I go, okay, so let me repeat it back to you. Fourth time. He'd go, oh my gosh, this has been long haul with you today. But he didn't realize I was trying to become a spiritual son to implement what he wanted. Because he was the David. I was not. I was on a journey to what God wanted. But he's the David, not me. I'm the one who needed to become the spiritual son. Mark 9, 35. And he sat down, Jesus, called the 12 and said to them, If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last and the servant of all. Jesus told us, if you want to be a leader in the kingdom, you want to be somebody who God uses, be the servant of all. What happens? Routines are ruined. Everybody, if you want God to make you kingdom effective, get ready for your routine that you never consider ever touching to be ruined. So many of us have church routines. Grand, we follow grandparents' routines with church. We've never even considered any change. Well, your kingdom effectiveness will be limited. I've had to let God reroute me. By the way, yearly. What am I doing this year, God? 
so that I can be kingdom effective. Now look at this, verse 38. Incredible. All these men of war who could keep rank came to Hebron with a loyal heart to make David king over all Israel. The rest of Israel were of one mind. Oh my gosh. To make David king. So listen to this. They could keep rank. In God's house, we need to keep rank. If you're a lieutenant, keep rank. You're not, if God's not opened a door for you, don't, and God's not asking your opinion on something, don't jump in on it in the kingdom. I went to speak once at a meeting when I was about 28, 29. And the Holy Spirit said to me at that meeting, I thought, oh, I know the answer to this with all these key pastors around. And, and God said to me in the meeting, if I need to hear from you, I'll ring a bell. <laughs> he was saying to me, keep rank. You're not carrying that responsibility. You're not walking in that responsibility. You've not got any credibility there, Jared. So really now don't enter into that. He was also saying a loyal heart. They had a loyal heart. Gee, when you've had your family, your father be totally disloyal to you, your grandfather be disloyal to you, and then God says, have a loyal heart. That's a journey, everybody. But guess what? You can develop loyalty and you can walk out loyalty. Then they had one mind to make David king. Oh my gosh, as soon as you get people in one mind, hey, we're here to help. We're here to build God's house. Then here's the result of your effective service and here's the result of your helping. Verse 22, for day by day, men came to David to help him until there was a great army like the army of God. How does God grow the church? Day by day, men come and those who help God says, I'm going to build a great army like the army of God that will impact the community for good. Churches where there's a helping culture become free from storms and disturbance. Not perfect, but they become free. Peace in Hebrew, everybody, as I said before, it comes from the word, it's the word shalom, which is used both in a greeting, hello, with the Jewish people and goodbye. It's one of the Jewish people's most hallowed values, but many people don't know what it means, even we who are Christians. Yet it actually is when they say shalom or peace, here's what it actually means. And this is why when uh, Amasai said, peace to you, David, and peace to those who help you, he was saying this, let there be a manifestation of divine grace on you, a blessing which involves prosperity, tranquility, and security. It's not just the absence of war or strife, everybody. It's more than that. And everybody, when he said peace, it's actually derived from a root denoting may soundness come to you. May wholeness come to you. May completion come to you. It's, it's lead, the, this piece he's talking about, the Jewish piece is leading to perfection. So what's the Bible saying? When you help, it brings about from God's house, wholeness in your life. You want to get whole from your addiction, your problems like me? Start helping in God's house. You want to have completion and breakthrough? Start helping in God's house. You want to have leading to your perfecting, start helping and serving the leader in front. And that's how God perfects Christians. You meet some Christians, everybody, you met them, and they were the same now as they were in 1990. And you're like, that's been 30 years. You, there's no change. Why? Not helping, no wholeness, no leading to perfection, no completion. So you got to get on the helping roster. Okay. When I was at the end of my 40s, I know you all think I'm there now, but anyway. When I was at the end of my 40s, Brian Houston rings me from Sydney. I've been a senior pastor for 25 years. Brian rings me and he goes, Jared, I need you to nominate yourself to be on the National Executive of Australian Christian Churches. Now it's 450,000 people are in our denomination, 1,100 churches around the country. And he said, I need you to nominate to go on the leadership team. And I'm like thinking straight out of myself, no way. 
I'm involved in Africa. I'm involved in Japan. This is me talking on the inside. And uh, I was, no, I'm doing that. And I'm, and I'm going to fly four hours for a meeting. So immediately I'm like, no, I've got no margin for it. Some of us got no margin to go to home group, but we want God to do a miracle. I got no margin for it. And then I said, so I'm going, I don't want to do that. Brian's going, hey, I need you to. I need you to, you know, it's your time for you to do that. And I'm thinking, I've been a senior pastor for 25 years. I don't need to be listening now to you. You know how we talk to ourselves, right? And then I said the wrong thing, and it was out of my mouth. Everybody ever said something was out of your mouth, and then it was too late, you'd said it. And I said, oh, Brian, do you think it'll really help? Help. Oh, he's on the phone and he goes, yes, it will really help. I said, will it help in the country? He goes, it will really help. And I'm like, I'm stupid. I've got to help again at a new level. And my original pastor is saying, we need your help. And it's the last thing I want to do. And then I went, yes, I'll dominate. (coughs) (laughs) because I need to help our church and myself and my family and my grandson get whole, go to completion, leading to perfection. And I need to help do the same for our country. Sue and I were on it for six years. It was a costly six years. But it's about helping and it's about margin. Can you please not be a Christian who has no margin? Oh my gosh, every Christian, they've got no margin. The people in the Bible, the things they did and went to, and we're like, no, it's a bit, it's under 18 Celsius. I don't do church on Friday, under 18. (laughs) People, Jesus went to the cross, get a blanket. (laughs) Get a blanket. (laughs) I don't do this, I don't do that. I was thinking of our church in Zambia today, and um, David Livingston and his dear Scottish wife in the 1800s left Scotland to go to Zambia. Walking in the bush, no roads, no planes. Go to Zambia, walk around. He was doing all kinds of things, but he also was preaching the gospel. Felt the mission to bring the gospel there. His dear wife gets sick with everything. Then she's got malaria. Then the Zambian people bless them are carrying her so he can continue his ministry. He ended up getting sick and he dies. He leads two people to the Max to Christ. But I'm so glad for his margin. So glad, and he only led two people, but he said, the day will come, he said, when every week in this nation, people will come to Christ because we came. And now in Zambia, every week in our church, people get saved just in our church, let alone all the churches, every week. But everybody online, everybody at home, everybody here in Perth, but someone had to go. I need to help and I need to create some margin for God. Everybody, when did you ever create margin? I'm not talking about, I made, I created margin. I had a coffee with, you know, so-and-so the other week, full on ministry for 20 minutes. No, I'm talking about where you go, I need to create something. It's not about being like somebody else, but you doing what God calls you to do. And then the ripple effect long after you're gone, maybe through two people. Zambia got declared, by the way, a number of years ago, this is a Christian nation. 
because a man and his wife made margin, ended up dying, gave their lives, they buried his heart in Zambia and took his body back to Scotland because his heart was there. What is God saying for you to help in Jesus' name? You are called to be kingdom effective. Can someone say amen? For more about Global Heart Church, download our app today or visit us at globalheartchurch.com.